and welcome to Carcone Carne. I'm James Van Osdell, and I mentioned some shows moving forward will be done in the car. Others will be done remotely, as is the case today. The Stranglers, 40 plus years of making music. This band has seen it all. This band has done it all, and they've done it all on their own terms. I mean, back in the beginning, they were the band opening up for the Ramones and Patti Smith on their first European tours. Sonically, their music has never been easy to define. They've defiantly skirted any kind of categorization. Post-punk is probably the best way to describe them. The past year for the Stranglers, it's, it's been rough. Their keyboardist, Dave Greenfield, a guy whose playing was really critical to the overall vibe of the Stranglers, died after contracting COVID while he was receiving treatment for a heart ailment. The band had recorded eight tracks with Greenfield before his death, and those songs became the foundation for what is their new album, their 18th album, Dark Matters, which comes out on September 10th. Joining me to talk about the storied past of the Stranglers and the Dark Matters future is the long-running bassist, songwriter, singer, raconteur, Jean-Jacques Burnell, JJ. And we started the conversation by talking about the fact that my first time seeing the Stranglers was May of 1987. It was at Metro in Chicago. And it occurred to me, I think after that, they only played Chicago once. And that was at Cobra Lounge like eight years ago. So we talked about touring the States. It's Car Con Carne. Let's eat in the car. It's Car Con Carne. This is like a TV commercial here, looking at the cheese <laughs> dripping. Um, it, was, it was a bit mind-blowing coming to the States because I didn't realize it was so fucking big. <laughs> And the distances between venues were, were uh, mind-blowing. However, we decided to, at one point, to split the band in two and drive around and, you know, do the, the classic road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, after which um, I decided that I didn't want to come to America so often um, <laughs> not because of the people, because they were absolutely fascinating, but just because of the distances. And it was knackering. And I know that um, uh, lots of our peer group bands uh, decided to, they wanted to break America. I think that was the expression. Um, But I found the the price to be paid was too too great for me. Um, So uh, because I saw... Bands like U2 and The Police and The Clash, <clears throat> they'd all go to America and then they'd end up wearing cowboy hats and cowboy boots. <laughs> and I found that, bit un- I felt a bit uncomfortable with that personally. Um, and uh, espousing completely American um, things. And uh, I just wanted to retain what I was, where I was from, you know. Um, I mean, we owe so much to America in general. Um, those of us who play music, especially, uh, because you know, without America, we wouldn't have had rock and roll. 
So there was part of me, um, having grown up in the 50s and 60s, um, we, we owed so much to America, but some of us developed a chip on our shoulders about, about the States. So there was kind of a, a real conflict in, in me, especially, about um, trying to make it in America. I, I thought, well, hold on, I'm, you know, I'm never going to be American. I'm a, I'm a Franco-Brit. I'm a European, and that's where our inspiration should come from, despite owing so much to American music. So I, it was, there was a definite conflict, and mm. I was trying to balance it out. Um, and the, my response was not to go there so often, you know. Well, that explains <laughs> everything. It, was there a period, I mean, during that oral sculpture dream time period, it felt like whatever that next level of success or, or fame was within reach. What, what was the vibe back then? Because it felt like, I mean, commercially, you had a sound that could have fit in the mainstream. I mean, yeah. certainly Skin Deep and Always the Sun uh, are pop songs. Well, yeah, they were pop songs. And what's wrong with a pop song? You know, <laughs> um, they And uh, I think Skin Deep was actually number one on the uh, U.S. college charts for a time. But so what? You know, it's it's only that's only commercial success. Right. Doesn't mean you have to sleep with the enemy. You know? That's exactly right. <laughs> um, but I mean, American audiences are so responsive. It's uh, so I mean, we do. We have come back a, a couple of times, but uh, not it's you know, it also I have to say, you know, um, I don't know if you're aware, but to come to America now with all the visa bollocks. All right. Um, I mean, you know, we have to pay a thousand uh, pounds each and for our crew to have the, the honor of, of playing in America. And then we have to queue up at the American embassy. And even I had Michael, Sir Michael Caine, a few people behind me um, in the rain queuing up to have the privilege of being interrogated to see whether we're worthy or not of coming to America. And in my case, not only did I have that, I also had the added bonus of having an FBI agent um, inquiring about me, whether, you know, I, um, I mean, okay, the, the classic um, questions, have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? No. Um, have you ever been a member of the Nazi party? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. And, <laughs> and you know, and I, I believe Chicago is a, a hotbed of the Nazi party in America or was anyway. There, there were some moments, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe back, uh, no more. I know my history. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen sure. the Blues Brothers movie. <laughs> exactly. That's all you need to know. Illinois Nazis. That's it. <laughs> um, so, um, so, you know, the, uh, they actually, um, dragged up, um, dredged up some uh, a riot I was involved in 40 years ago um, in France, and it, it came up on their screen. So uh, well done, that, that agent. Wow. Anyway, it's all the hoops that you have to jump through. And I don't, and I, I, I doubt it if American musicians have the same hoops to jump through. Uh, coming uh, when it's reciprocated when they come over to Europe, you know. Sure, and it, I mean you're starting a tour in the hole. 
if you come overseas. I mean, you're already like behind. You're already in in the red, which is well, yeah. I mean, okay, you know, fortunately, yeah, um, it, it's that's uh, the least of our worries. But it's 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 um, it's made it more increasingly difficult. Sure. Um, uh, and so that kind of takes distracts from the the excitement of going somewhere, you know, like. Anyway, but anyway. So here we are in the present, JJ. Dark Matters comes out on September 10th. I, you know, last year was a horrific, horrific year for all of us. A horrific year for the Stranglers. Dave well, Greenfield passed. Terrible. Um, the fact that you guys had eight songs in the can with Dave heading into this album seems like a real gift. And how great is it to be able to get these songs out into the universe now? Well, um, <laughs> my first thought was when uh, Dave passed away was I only had one thought. I mean, we had loads of um, tours lined up worldwide um, and uh, I cast all that out. And my only thought was to complete the project um, for us and for Dave, actually, for, for our mental well-being. So that was what um, drove us through the confinements. Um, and now I, I can say, happily say, it's complete. Uh, have you had a chance to listen to the work? I have. In fact, the first song on the album, Water, this to me, I mean, this is such a great reintroduction to the Stranglers. There's a nice gradual build to it. And then there's that those keys i mean there's dave's signature right there i mean that that yeah. to me is like such a great we're the stranglers we're back here you go yeah yeah uh, well thanks um i i'm very uh, no i'm very pleased about this collection of of ideas i mean they they do stretch back a while because water i started well we started that um during the arab spring because water's the, you know a metaphor for for democracy, which brings me on to uh, very neatly onto another subject. Um, if you don't mind me going off at a tangent. It's a podcast. For years, we've been um, hearing the mantra, democ bringing democracy to the world. And especially the Americans have, have, have thought this was a good thing to do. I'm not so sure uh, because it works in America ish it works in europe ish uh however trying to bring it to people who've never had an inkling of it is fucking disastrous um and uh, look what's happening as we speak in afghanistan mm -hmm. you know we think that um it's the be all and end all and we're going to give uh give this wonderful thing that we have to the rest of the world it ain't going to work. And since 9-11, um, we've been, you know, sp repeating the mantra, bring freedom, democracy to these people. Ain't going to work. And, and we've been doing this for centuries, actually. The Brits and the Europeans did it um, with Africa, imposing our values on the rest of the world. It's hopefully this is a salient lesson that we were better off with Saddam Hussein in power and Gaddafi in power. I mean, the vested interests, the West, mm -hmm. you know, it, um, I'm not talking about altruistic, trying to bring what we think is a better system of government. Um, right. 
we, we have to come back from imposing, whether it's Christianity in the past or democracy, we have to come back from that and, and think, think it through. It's fine for us, but not necessary for other peoples. And look at the can of worms we've opened up since uh, invading Iraq. I, I got to a point, I've said this before, especially last year, I, I got to a point where I couldn't look at the news. It was just too overwhelming for me. <laughs> Mind you, having said that, it was probably just as depressing 2,000 years ago, but they didn't have instant Fair. access that, to that's it. it. It's, so, it's, it's, it's that fire hose of information coming your way. Yeah, yeah it's, it's over the top. I think it was a, 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 an Englishman who invented the internet, and I think he's created a Frankenstein's monster. But I mean, hey, we're talking on it. I was so. about to say there are there are pluses. The, the my ability to talk to you somewhere in France in real time is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, back to the album. I mean, you you honor Dave, and if you should see Dave is a, a cornerstone part of this record. I'm sure there's a bit of unreality uh, talking about this album, talking about that song, and not having him around, not having him around. Well, um, I don't know how old you are. You look about 40 to me. You're the, um, you're, this is why the Stranglers are one of my favorite bands. That is not true. Uh, but thank you for saying that. Oh, OK. Uh, so what? You're you're 30 there. Yes, I'm, th- I'm 30, <laughs> JJ. Thank you. <laughs> well, then you've well, you've lived well. then. Um, the, <laughs> I've lost the track. My track of thought. The, talking about Dave, talking about this song, yeah, it, yeah, the unreality. Uh, yeah, listen. Yeah. That, thank you. Dave uh, was a really close friend, um, collaborator, uh, buddy, um, everything for 45 years. Um, so it's uh, it's a huge hole in my life. It's just, you know, there's a, a, there's a vacancy and no one can fill it. No one can. I mean even though we're committed to playing uh, in the future. And I think we're invited, there's talk about us going to America again, because we were there uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, we just played two shows, one to 10,000 people in Vegas and one in Los Angeles, which was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed the time there, the short time there. Um, but we've got all these commitments and um, there's a huge vacancy in my life mm-hmm. and in the life of people, anyone who's interested in the Stranglers. Um, however, Dave did have disciples. Mm-hmm. And he had disciples who studied every fucking single note that he played. And so, and uh, I met, actually met one 20 years ago. So he's going to fill, uh, fulfill our commitments uh, live. Great. It- one thing I think the Stranglers never got enough credit for is sense of humor, dark humor, sense of humor uh, in the song. And if you should see Dave, this is where your solo would go. I, I, yeah. I, I love that. That's just that's breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, I thought that was a neat uh, inclusion. Yeah. I mean, you know, you gotta. Yeah. Um, I think in France, we call it premier degré. People take us, take, uh, take us the first first instant or first dimension. Uh, but I think even you have to laugh at some of the shit going on in the world, which has been going on well. And that's how we've kind of uh, survived. I think 
the Russians are great at it, actually. Their, their humour is so black, so dark, because they've got shit lives, a lot of them, um, that they, they, you need it. It's a kind of a, a weapon, you know, to keep your sanity, a bit of dark humour. Sure, it's a defence mechanism, at the very least. It's a defence mechanism, yeah. I, I, there's still, I, I love listening to a song like No Man's Land. Again, again, the new album is Dark Matters. No Man's Land, all these years late, later, there's still that edge to, to the sound, to the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics are bleak, but then, you know, going back to Dave, the keyboards add, add this wonderful texture to it. I mean, these are Strangler's songs. I mean, you, you're still sounding sharp and true to form. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I think um, uh, quite a few so far, the feedback is, uh, those who've heard it, is um, one French uh, journalist who's known for being quite cynical said, how come... Um, how come you, you're a fucking old band, French equivalent of, um, <laughs> you're, 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 you're a fucking old band. How come you're sounding so fresh? <laughs> I said, you cheeky, you cheeky <laughs> bastard. Um, well, well, why not? What, what's the problem? He said, well, you're a bunch of old cunts, aren't you? You know, you, and you're playing, sounding fresh. I, I didn't, je ne comprends pas. <laughs> I didn't you're understand what I was trying supposed, to. You're supposed to get better with age. And White Stallion, I mean, it, it's weird talking about an album that people haven't heard yet, but hopefully they'll hear this conversation and think, oh, shit, I've got to hear this. Uh, there's such a cool groove on White Stallion toward the end of this album. Oh, White Stallion is, for me, I hope we've created a new genre of music. It's called punk opera disco. That, that's it. I mean, it, there's that groove. And I mean, the keys sound like strings. Uh, it, it sounds like movie score kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I think uh, I hope that'll uh, take people aback. I love it. And then the the end of the album, Breathe. I love songs that build momentum. You guys do this so well. There's just a big momentum build on that song. It seems like a nice way to wrap this album up. Yeah, I, th I think the order just works. I mean, I know people have got lesser attention spans these days. And so, you know, they um, and, uh, listening to an album. Obviously, I'm from a generation. I liked to be taken away for about 40 minutes. Yes. Uh, whether it was smoking a spliff or just finishing a bottle of wine or, um, you know, full play. Um, activation and then cigarette at the end. 40 minutes isn't good. <laughs> and uh, I'm from that generation who, who really enjoyed listening to an album and not just a lot of sound bites, you know. Well, I, I think that's um, it. People, people listen to music a la carte now. It's one song at a time. And there's something to be said for that immersive, you know, I've, I've got a copy of Feline behind me, being able to yeah, put on yeah, one yeah. side at a time and just, you don't skip, you don't cue past tracks. You listen to it 20 yeah. minutes aside. Maybe something. maybe that's a generational thing. I don't know. We had longer I... attention spans in those days. You know, everything <laughs> has to be instant now. But there's something to be said for having, owning a piece of music, owning that, that artist's vision. And I think, you know, I, I have yeah. a son who's collecting really records good. now, and he's a teenager, and he loves the idea of that immersive aspect of things. So I think... Okay. To, to bring it back around to, to Dark Matters, I think sequencing may be a lost art, but it's so important. Well, for, for those of us who care, yeah. Well, I think you did it. You did a great job. Um, you know, thinking of my copy of Feline behind me, you know, I, I was listening to it on my turntable uh, before you jumped on the call. 
I remember hearing Midsummer Night's Dream or Mids- Mids- Midnight Summer Dream, excuse me, for my first time uh, and thinking, what on earth? This is weird and wonderful. And it made me think as I was listening to it today, it, the Stranglers have always been impossible to kind of categorize or pigeonhole. You've kind of defiantly bucked expectations or categorization. Well, that's, right? a, that's a double-edged sword. I mean, for the record companies, um, it was a nightmare because you can't, you know, where, who do you aim, you know, at? Who do yeah. you target? Yeah. You know, what demographic do you target? And you just, I mean, it, there should be a, a, a sort of, you know, um, in the folders or in the bins, it said, um, um, off the wall, you know, sort of, <laughs> as opposed to punk or heavy rock or country or whatever, you know, sort of, there are people out there who don't, subscribe to all these categories and they just want something uh, which doesn't define them. I think people, a lot of people don't want to be defined or have their music defined, you know, for sure. There's enough of them out there to, to, for the strangers to make a living, but um, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's uncharted territory. I like, I like to think that we've always aimed at uncharted territory. I love it. And successfully, but you know. Thinking about commercial, you're talking about record companies and trying to find you know, a target. I mean, a song like Golden Brown, which had, which had kind of a, a second act in, in this century. I mean, the record company didn't hear that one out of the gate. No, no. They had, we had to invoke a clause in our contract uh, to force the record company to release it. Um, they said, wait, it's not punky. You can't dance to it. It's punk's over, new wave's over, and you're dead. And we inv- <laughs> so we invoked a clause in our contract, forced them to release it. So in their wisdom, they released <laughs> it just before Christmas so that it would just drown in the tsunami that always followed. Well, I don't know in the States, but certainly oh, no, in the UK. That was the case here too. Christmas releases and everything. And unfortunately for them, it de- it developed very long legs and became a worldwide hit. So, of course, in their wisdom, again, they said, oh, can we have another Golden Brown then? So we said, fuck off, you know. <laughs> we gave them a six-minute song in French, you know. Exactly, exactly. Now, I mean, Umbrella Academy, Black Mirror, it must be kind of thrilling for you to have new generations getting turned on to the Stranglers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I heard about that. It, they used that. They've been using a lot of um, old stuff uh, in different movies and TV things over here as well, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, look, if you're um, of our generation who believe in um, not uh, total disposability of stuff, it's recycled. That's exactly right. You're, you're doing right by the environment. Uh, you know, since it is summertime, People are walking on the beaches. It's worth mentioning, uh, Peaches is a fine calling card for you specifically. Is it? Yeah, they are. I mean, that's such an indelible opening for that. Oh, well, it was voted in the UK anyway. It was voted the three most um, the most important songs in in music. But I think... Da-da-da-da! <laughs> oh, that's four. See, that's four. But one of the three most important songs in music. I mean, there was a period where you didn't play that song. I mean, you just were, were sick of it, right? Yeah. I mean, what's the point of going through the motions? You know, you have to feel something for a piece of music. Otherwise, it uh, pulls the pants off you. 
It's a tricky one, though. I, I remember I was talking about this with Dave Perner of Soul Asylum, who didn't play Runaway Train for a couple of years. It, it, it's it's tricky because you as the artist, you need to feel inspired. But then well, you have fans coming to your show and a lot of them no, might I, be seeing I, I, for the I first totally time. Agree. I totally agree, James, because um, people aren't coming. If they pay money to come to see you, they're not paying money to see what you're doing in the future. They might be intri- intrigued, interested, but they're coming to see what they know of you or some of it anyway. But fortunately, we've got enough material to leave one or two out, uh, which True. might be better known by the public. Uh, no, no, I agree. I mean, and you don't want to uh, entirely play all the new stuff because, you know, you might be, you might have your artistic arrogance and say, no, I'm only playing the new stuff and that's what they're going to hear. Well, fuck them, you know, because <laughs> actually that's, it's, that's a bit self-indulgent and slightly arrogant, I'd say. You have to, there's a balance, but you know, for you sure. get it right, everyone's happy. So nine years ago, the last album was Giants. Uh, one of my favorite instrumentals is Another Camden Afternoon. I still love having that one in the playlist as I'm driving. It's like a perfect oh, driving song. Yes, yeah, cool. I, I r- really enjoy that. Yeah, thank you. So a lot of history, 40 plus years of the Stranglers. I think it's fair at this point in your career to, to talk about things like legacy. How do you perceive it? Oh, wait, this is the best part of the interview right here. What's her dog's name? Myla. This is Myla. Adorable. She's a Swiss, um, Swiss uh, Berger Blanc Suisse. Uh, Gorgeous. Which, uh, translated means um, uh, Swiss, a white Swiss shepherd. Gorgeous dog. Yeah, she's lovely. She's a good personality. Yeah. This is the best part of doing these Zoom meetings. I would say if there's a, a plus side to the pandemic, it's being able to see people's pets over Zoom conversations. All right. Yeah, cool. so back, to, back to legacy. I mean, I think it's fair to talk about legacy four plus decades in. How do you perceive the Strangler's legacy? Um, well, I, you see, I'd rather that someone like you, a journalist, an, an outsider, if you want, an outside observer um, defined it and summed it up. Um, all I know is that uh, we're still going. I'm still productive, um, despite uh, the legions uh, diminishing by the day. Uh, it's um, we haven't been on trend at all, and I'm very pleased about that. From apart from the very early days, and I think we've been. What we've been lucky with is not having to uh, subscribe to any latest trends or or fashions. And we've been allowed uh, somehow to um, be creative and, and not have to fit in anyone's stereotypical commercial, you know, alleys and just trust, you know, to experiment, you know, and to, to see how far our limited talents can go. <laughs> And uh, we've, we've been, uh, we haven't had to, well, you know, do you know the expression, the dog wags the tail or the tail wags the dog? Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, if you're, fir- if, you're, if you're slavish to commercial, uh, to, um, commercial pressures, that's the t- and you're following that, it's the tail wagging the dog. And surely it should be the dog wagging the tail, you know. So um, that we haven't, succumbed to necessary commercial things and sometimes we created a new commercial for ourselves but sometimes you know and we've other times we've fallen flat on our faces 
Um, but just, uh, I think we've been lucky. I think we've been lucky to have to, to survive despite not having to be on trend, you know? Well, I think there's the legacy right there, being successful on your own terms. That's yeah, pretty, yeah. That's pretty that's, cool. That's, yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty cool. All right. So, JJ, the new album comes out on September 10th. It, it, it warms my heart. It warms my dark heart uh, that there's a new Stranglers album on the way. Dark Matters is the Thank album. Uh, it's fantastic stuff. And, and truly, you, you know, we love you in Chicago. And it's a, an absolute I pleasure to talk to, to you. I would love to come back to Chicago. Um, uh, we'll feed you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll feed you. Well. I remember the Metro. I had great times at the Metro. Of course. That I mean, was that's- near... Um, that baseball. Uh, exactly. It's a block away from Wrigley Field. Yeah. Wrigley Field. That's it. Where the famous. Chicago Cubs play. Famous. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, there's an Irish pub near to the Metro. If you're looking at the Metro front on, to the left, there's an Irish pub. I went oh, there it was, with... Um, uh, the Ginger Man, or the with, G-Man, which has uh, been there Jake forever. Jake Burns, who, who lives in uh, Yeah, in Stiff, li- Stiff Little Fingers. Stiff Little Fingers. One of my one of my few yeah. pandemic highlights was uh, Jake Burns played a drive-in concert. It was him and Peg Boy and uh, Local Age. They played at a, a drive-in movie theater, and he played acoustic, oh, right. which was super cool. He's well, a good friend. He's, he's, he's a super mate. cool dude. All right, yeah. uh, I'm going to stop recording. JJ, thank you so much. My pleasure, James. All the best, and 